Good morning and welcome to OSW Daily. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, this is your first time coming across the channel. I hope you find this uh, interesting and beneficial to you. If you do, please consider subscribing, liking the video, hitting that notification bell so you're alerted to all upcoming videos. So what do we do here at OSW Daily? Well, we think about all the, the current topics that's been discussed around work, workplace, employee, employee engagement, workplace productivity, and then we bring in a thought leader, uh, an industry expert to actually discuss some of those topics. Uh, today that's no exception so what are the specific things that we're going to be talking about today today we're going to be talking about creating an employee-centered return to work we've heard a lot about return to work but actually what does an employee-centered return to work mean protect employees and customers improve efficiencies and workflows streamline communication and mitigate risk and respond to changes so it's a lot to get covered so who are we going to be discussing this with today today i'm very happy to have uh welcoming back to the channel ceo jonathan hensley jonathan is an author speaker he's also the co-founder and ceo at emerge interactive so let's bring john in right or jonathan in right as we talk now jonathan how are you doing sir I'm doing great, Steve. Thank you for having me. No, no, thank you. Welcome, welcome back. It's been a little while since we've actually uh, been on together, so uh, it's good to uh, it's good to welcome you back. Well, it's great to be here. A lot's changed in just a few months. It uh, seems to be the the new standard. It certainly is. So, I mean, it is a while, and you said a lot of changes. I mean, you're in Portland, Oregon. You've you've went through a, a series of changes there. What's it been like to live there? You know, you, your family, and obviously your business. Well, you know, quite candidly, you know, Portland's an incredible city and with incredible people. And I think what has been in the media is uh, unfortunately kind of did a, a darker and bleak mm. picture of the city. And it's far from it. Uh, we've we've been through a lot with uh, all the different things going on, uh, you know, politically to what's been going on around, uh, you know, addressing issues of equality and especially uh, most recently with the wildfires that we had that, mm -hmm. that swept uh, the, the whole Northwest. So I think what I uh, have really uh, seen mostly is an incredible sense of community and support of, you know, your neighbors, your uh, local businesses, and really how do we look out for each other and come together uh, regardless of differences, regardless of point of view, and make sure that we're all doing the best that we can uh, during these times. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and obviously, we yeah, absolutely see it on the news. It's, it's interesting how things get reflected. Um, but obviously, when we last spoke, you know, you were telling us how your, 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 your company had went from, you know, office space to remote. How has that sort of taken place over this time? Have, how have your employees responded to that? Overall, our employees have been absolutely thrilled with the uh, change. And for us, as we discussed before, you know, it's been fairly minor being in a uh, role where we support and develop digital technologies and products. We're used to this type of work environment. I think what we're starting to see, like a lot of other businesses, though, is a little bit of fatigue, you know, where we're, you know, the Zoom fatigue, if you will, or being on conference calls and not being able to have that connection and that that interaction with people is starting to show a little bit um and we see it with our clients as well you know they're mm -hmm. really looking for those opportunities of when can we get back in a room together when can we re-engage missing that deeper connection that's hard to to do remotely and how do you answer that question well, for us, we've really focused on little things right now. It's how do we make sure that we come to our calls uh, the best prepared? How do we make sure that we spend time and make time in our meetings to check in and, and not just talk dive into the work, but really make sure and check in with 
you know, each other and with clients and with partners, how are you doing? How's your family? You know, how is it teaching, you know, your kids now that you're doing, you know, remote schooling? How is it, you know, getting out? Are you able to dive into new hobbies? And it's really, I think, showing that you genuinely care in a really meaningful, authentic way. It's There's not a lot of room for the small talk anymore. It's more of, I want a genuine connection with people. And so they have to be really genuine and uh, questions that you're not glossing over, that you're spending time and really listening and are working actively to build that connection. And that just takes more uh, emphasis and a little bit more attention uh, today than it did before. Yeah, that, that is, it's, 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 it's often glossed over those intricacies, right? Being really intentional. Um, so in my day job, you know, I'm trying to do, run all these focus sessions and this is coming up an awful lot, right? Everyone wants to go back to the office to meet their teammates and, you know, working from home, it's great. We love it, 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 but it doesn't provide that structure and everyone's looking for that personal collaboration. How do we come together? And and it is it is so important to be intentional about what when you turn up to a meeting, right? You're not being there to be entertained. You're being intentional. You're delivering something. There's a purpose for you being on there. So it's it is it is great that you're having those conversations actively within the organization yeah it's you know our team and our managers are are fantastic at what they do and so a lot of my time from a leadership level right now is just trying to facilitate connection it's not as much as it needs to be in uh you know we have a team of experts at what they do of developing experiences for customers and for employees uh, looking at how to you know, innovate products but my job right now is not to really lead any of those disciplines. It's really focused on not losing sight of those subtle things that we have to do to be building connection and, and making sure that our teams feel supported. Mm, mm, that's great. That's great. Now, obviously, you're working at a, from a remote on a remote basis, but you did send me something through a white paper that you, you've created, creating an employee-centered return to work. Um, it's it's interesting. I really want to dig into this. So, what do you think of the opportunities for employers right now in this COVID era? Well, I think there's a couple of things. I think one, you have to recognize that in this current environment, that there we are probably witnessing the biggest failure or fall in social trust that we have ever seen in this country, um, and maybe worldwide. Uh, and I can't speak to outside of uh, the U.S. personally, but. The, this issue of, of social distrust, of misinformation, information changing all the time and not having any continuity in information has been incredibly uh, impactful and erosive to uh, the social construct that we have between employers and employees. And this is something that it doesn't stop and it, it work. It's something that you know people are dealing with at uh, the level of society. And so as employers, I think we really need to understand and recognize that that is the environment that we have to rebuild our strategies in. That is something that we have to take a uh, special care and attention to. And if we can do that, then we have the context we need to, to make much more effective decisions and how to develop a return to work strategy that is employee centric. And if it's good for the employees, it is guaranteed good for the customer. And so how would you do that will really protect the continuity of businesses going forward and their ability to adapt to new changes as they come um, going forward. Now, you mentioned the trust or the connection between employee and customer, right? As a CEO, how do you 
do that narrative? What comes first, the employee and the customer? It's a tough thing to really get right. And an employee thinks they should be first. The customer thinks they should be first. But as a CEO, how do you balance that? Well, I think that you, one, have to really make sure that everybody on a team understands that, you know, what they do, why they do it, how they do it, that impact it has on the business and on the customer. And we can't be operating in silos of information anymore. We have to make sure that we're really intentional about communicating and every employee understands their contribution. I don't care what level of the organization you're in. I don't care, uh, you know, if you're, you're, you're cleaning an office or if you're, you know, in, you know, senior leadership, like everybody needs to understand their contribution right now. You know, and so, and that's empowering. That's that's liberating. That allows people to be uh, bring their best selves to the workplace, and that is going to reflect in how they're able to engage with customers, uh, have the resources and support they need to take on challenges, um, and also address recovery issues where you know maybe there's an unhappy customer, and how do you address that? Well, you're going to be much more effective at addressing those things if you have empowered employees who understand their responsibilities and are being set up for success. And obviously with this, your your organization operating in a, um, in a remote fashion, you know, when you're in the office, people get to hear those conversations with customers. Maybe they don't get to hear colleagues talk with other customers, so there isn't that opportunity to really learn from each other. How are how you addressing or thinking about that? Well, for us at Emerge, what we've done is we have regular standups as, as a company and within um, project teams. And so we do that where we're sharing information, even if it's related to clients or projects we're not all involved with, we're sharing that information so that there's the awareness of what is the rest of your teammates going through? What are they dealing with? Uh, the deadlines, the responsibilities, the expectations, and those things go a long way. They really help people understand how they can not only, uh, you know, support their their colleagues, but also understanding what resources or changes they might need to make in their needs or their expectations short term to help everybody be successful. And so we're finding that that's really helpful in helping people feel connected in a remote work environment. It's helping people understand how their work can be organized to be more efficient, more effective, and making sure that all clients' expectations are, are delivered on. Yeah, and just as you were saying that through what you were saying there, um, and a concept that came to my mind that I heard yesterday, I hadn't heard of it before. It was called Think and Drink. And basically what it is is teams that operate Maybe they operate in different departments, but they do the same functions. They come together in this remote environment and they share each other's experience over a drink. But they think about it in essence, here's what we have learned. Here's the things that we need to do better. And then there are other teams that are doing, supporting other customers, other products, then all come together. And I, I hadn't heard it before and uh, I thought it was a great concept. Yeah, I love that idea. Maybe yeah. we'll start doing thinking drinks. <laughs> I think whatever brings people together, right? It gets people talking about it and stuff. But uh, Absolutely. So, so in the white paper, right, there's four opportunities you've said for employers in the COVID era. Um, and you've identified these four things, protect employing customers. And we've touched on that a little bit. So what about improve efficiencies and workflows? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I think that you know, the way that we worked before COVID has been, you know, obviously is, is completely different. 
And I think that as we think about a return to work strategy, and especially as we think about how much we're leaning on technology, we need to think about how we improve and change our workflows and the way that we, you know, uh, really adapt. So thinking about our, is our old workflow actually the right workflow going into a remote environment? Do we have the right tools? Do we have older tools that maybe need to be modernized? Have we done it maybe in a physical way now that needs to be digitized? How do we streamline the ability to work and collaborate through using the right technologies? Are we making sure that information is being able to be transmitted upstream and downstream through the organization? So many organizations are dealing with right now needing to map what's the current workflow maybe they've never actually formally documented that workflow you know, or visualized it to see what does that look like and then identifying wow now here are all these opportunities to improve efficiency to go more digital to look at ways to make it a better experience for employees and while doing that you know have a magnificent leap forward in, in productivity and effectiveness. Um, a lot of times, for example, one thing we run into a lot is a lot of people are doing really data intensive things in like Excel documents. Well, what if you could have a tool that could take that out and now you have a collaborative environment that is uh, able to bring data real time into the workflow process and push it out as completed. Those are huge advantages at scale. So, you know, making sure that we're thinking about those kinds of things as part of our return to work are really important. And then also understanding that it's a change for a lot of organizations that have really in the past embraced a more of a centralized or on-premise model that they have to now start to think about distributive tools, uh, distributive collaboration and what that looks like. And for some, it's the first time that maybe a certain processes or workflows have ever been challenged to be done that way. And so it's really important to consider that as you uh, think about your organization going forward and supporting employees and that return to work strategy. No, you're talking about supporting employees, but the other side of the equation is employees, right? What, what, what guidance can you give to employees to embrace those tools or raise those ideas or come more prepared and open um, at this time? Well, I think there's two parts to it. One is that from a leadership perspective, you need to make your employees and your teams a part of creating that new process and solution. That is such an essential piece to getting buy-in. And no matter how you know deep our expertise and experience is, our frontline teams have incredible inside information that will make or break the transformation and those efficiencies and workflows. So that I think it has to start there. On the other side of it, if you engage, I think, employees in that process and they have buy-in in it, it's so much easier to get adoption. And you can then develop a much better communications plan and adoption plan, and you can you know, clearly communicate, why did we make decisions this way? Well, you know, we, we had to do it this way because we're also collaborating with these four teams over here, and this is critical information to their process. And by visualizing that, sometimes you can show that how work the interdependencies of work um, for the first time and teams that have never maybe worked together uh, have are seeing that you know for the first time or maybe that was never communicated and that can be game changing it usually just comes down to context once they understand the value of it they're able to to dive in and they're, they're willing to do the work and when you talk about the value is it the value to the organization or value to themselves both 
Well, I think both. I mean, the value of to them should be tied to the value of the organization, right? right? right. It, we all have a job for a specific reason to and a set of responsibilities that, that come with that job. So, you know, uh, doing that job well should be table stakes. It should be something that everybody is embracing. Uh, but we need to connect that to the bigger picture. Right. We need to say right. this is this process actually makes a difference and it makes a difference all the way up to the, you know, very, you know, biggest goals of our organization. And it is essential to delivering on the promises we've made to our customers. Um, if that connection is not made uh, by leadership, then we as employees and it, you know, we will fill it in to the best of our abilities, but that doesn't mean it's right. So mm -hmm. leaders need to do the hard work of building that connection and building that alignment uh, between every function of the business. Right. And as we go through the list, you've, number three was streamlining communications. Communications is key right now, right? So what, what do we mean by this? Or what do you mean by this? Well, I think, you know, in this type of environment, when we're thinking of communication, it takes on multiple forms. One is how do we communicate about what's happening in the company when we're remote and not able on set? Like you said, there's not that water cooler talk or that ability just to kind of engage in communication. So how are we going to keep teams up to date? in a thoughtful way. Um, how do we, if we do have em employees on site, how are we responding to location specific information? What if there's an incident? What if there is a, uh, you know, uh, somebody who it comes back, they were positive for COVID. How is that communication and that response plan, you know, gonna be organized? How are we thinking about putting, you know, smart applications, uh, you know, on your phone in people's hands so they can get notifications, instant messages, not just emails or, or, you know, other things. What are they, how are they able to assess and, and get collecting data that, that's going to be really important? These are all communication channels, they're all tools. And I think companies need to expand on how they use those tools in order to support the new reality that we're in going forward. Yeah, and, you know, organizations are great at passing out information right, in many forms to employees, and employees are really good at ignoring it, right? So what strategies <laughs> What strategies have you found to be really helpful that sort of allows organizations to communicate directly with employees? I think when we think of employee experience, we should, we need to take some of the, the key lessons we've learned in, in customer experience. It's, it's about personalization generic memos and blasts, you know, don't don't have a lot of value to a lot of people. And not everybody needs that information. If you don't provide the context for something or making sure why it's important, and it just becomes noise, they're going to continue to ignore communication. So I think there needs to be a focus on substance and personalization in communications. I think that has to be just the essence of how we move forward. And this goes back to the macro issue we started with. There is an a huge erosion of trust uh, that has happened. And we're, as employees, we need to have confidence that we are getting relevant, important information in a timely way that we can count on. If it's changing every day, and then we don't know what direction we are having to go or to reset, it's so it, it's just so draining. We're, we're taking such an emotional and physical tax on our employees that is very difficult to recover from. So it's better to be more thoughtful and so we can be proactive and, and very clear in our communications and not generic or framing broad communications that don't have a direct substance to, to the team. So I think one of the situations that, that is, uh, comes up, I think, a lot, you know, when we 
started putting this paper together and thinking about it, we didn't just start looking from our lens of digital products or, you know, employer or customer experience. We went out and we started doing research. We started talking to business leaders and employees in small businesses in large organizations, hospitals, frontline workers. I mean, um, you know, everything from paramedics to nurses uh, to, you know, somebody working at, at McDonald's. It was, we really wanted to understand the scope of how this was impacting them. And that, that issue of make it personal, make it clear, no, no, don't, don't send me general information and, and not just information where I have to process, what do I do with it? But tell me how it applies, right? Take it a step further in that communication. So I understand the application. What do you want me to do with this? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm fatigued. I'm overwhelmed with the situation that's happening, not just at work, but in the world. And if you can help me bridge that gap, I'm able and more effectively to take action. I think one really great example is something that we heard again and again from, from nurses. Just the policy on personal protection equipment and was changing week by week. And for some hospitals, they're still dealing with this. And so every time you got a new, for example, vendor for face masks, they would have to go through another training, uh, get fitted again. And you think about that now they've gone through this maybe five or six times and they're fatigued of going through training on how to properly wear a mask. It's really important, mm -hmm. but they're fatigued. And why can't they standardize that? Or why can't they get into efficiency? Now, every time they go through that training, they're losing time with patients. They're losing opportunities to, to confront what's happening with COVID or help the hospitals or these clinics get back up and running to providing other critical services uh, to the community. So, you know, the nurses are incredibly aware of these issues and the administration is struggling to keep up with, with that change uh, in some cases. And so how do you think about a return, you know, the, the work strategy for, for example, nurses and frontline healthcare, where you can create some things that they can count on, some mm -hmm. standards that they can really, you know, move forward in. And I think that should be one, a major priority for, for healthcare leaders and for, for leaders in any organization. How can you provide continuity in a world where there's very little continuity right now? I think that's very important for people to understand and become experts in what they do in a new world. Yeah, there's so many things in there. And uh, it's interesting. I, I didn't realize that simple things like face masks at a hospital for, for uh, frontline workers, that it would be different things. You'd almost think there would be a set way to create that so that it was one one time once you're trying you're you're one and done um i did want to ask a question though because i don't know why whether it's just as your experience or whether it's just an observation that i've seen but it seems that when an employer provides communication or training somehow another employees devaluate where they can go and hear the same information from somebody else uh, and they put a lot more value on it is that something you've seen as or is that just uh I don't know, something that's just not real, really real. Well, I, I think it happens, and I think it's depending on how you you provide training. Uh, it's We've had to create educational experiences that are for, you know, just small teams, and we've had to do it where we're supporting, you know, digital experiences or supporting education for up to 60 or 100,000 people simultaneously. I think, you know, what we have to think about is education you have different types of learners, first of all, and you have to embrace an approach that helps, you know, uh, 
you know, do that where you're hitting the different senses of somebody and how they retain information. And two, you know, the classroom environment traditionally is just not that, you know, exciting for a lot of people. <laughs> so, you know, and, and they're also, you know, they have their other responsibilities. It's not like their responsibilities for the job, you know, got put on hold a lot of time during these, these trainings. So how do you find ways to incentivize and engage that? And I think that's an opportunity for exciting ways to invigorate employees, you know, and it's, you know, maybe you do it in smaller groups where there's more intimacy and ability to have communication and sharing. Maybe you remove certain, you know, barriers where you realized in order to create a safe space for employees to talk about something, you've got to, you know, like I'll, I'll use myself example, you know, being the CEO of a company, maybe I'm not the right person to be in the room <laughs> or be facilitating that, you know, that I have to step away because I create a barrier to some, maybe some of the conversations that need to happen. I need to check my ego and step my step out of that space and understand what needs to happen. Um, we see a lot of times just the the way that content is. It's it's long form, kind of almost a traditional academia approach to employee training. Uh, that tends to not be nearly as effective of kind of breaking things up to small digestible chunks. I mean, we think about how we are in our spare time or personal time consuming media whether it be social media or other forms of media, we're absorbing small incremental chunks of information. We're trained now to scan headlines and not do you know, deep reading of content. So we need to design our educational practices and, and for employees around some of that same critical thinking, give them digestible small chunks. Instead of sitting in a room for an hour, how can I get a really, really powerful lesson and tool distilled into 10 minutes and then, you know, today and then tomorrow do the next piece, you know, and so it's going to be different for each organization. But I think, you know, asking yourselves those types of questions, understanding what format is really a necessity in your business based on your company culture, the different, you know, skills and types of things you're trying to discuss and teach. Um, can you de deliver an immersive experience virtually right now or if you are in person? How have you set that up to be successful? And those types of things are really going to help you have much more, I think, effective and uh, rewarding experiences for employees going through that educational process. Yeah, no, there's a lot in there. Um, I, I do love the fact you mentioned about those shorter forms. And I suspect over time as the, you know, Gen Z comes in and those, those will be getting down to 30 second or 15 second videos. But absolutely, it is short, sharp, to the point messages that people want to take today. The other thing that I did note that you mentioned was um, not being in the room and how that may impact what the conversation was going on. You know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of focus groups at the moment, focus, focus sessions at the moment. And what I've noticed a huge difference between in-person and virtual, where when leadership is in the room in person, they tend to sit back, observe and watch. Where when it's virtual, they tend to lead the conversation. And it's just fascinating to see the difference, the dichotomy of this, this is the social culture and social cues that actually come through. This is fascinating. It, it, I, that's a really great observation. I'm going to have to watch myself, make sure I'm not doing that. Uh, I think the, uh, the other thing that I, I saw recently is um, I went through a uh, course with, with a coach uh, with, an, with an executive group and, you know, really 
this this coach she had an amazing perspective on stepping back and recognizing the difference between those that are extroverted on your team versus introverted uh and i think this you know sometimes like i know that i'm i'm in meetings all day on zoom but sometimes i'm i'm craving uh deeper or fun you know conversations and connection because i've been sitting in my home office you know uh for the last four days in a row um and, and you know and that that can easily happen and i think uh she, she made a really good point that it, it's really important especially in a virtual space which is harder to create the space for an introvert to come out to to engage them in a thoughtful way or understand that some people need um to process information before they can contribute versus those who are mm -hmm. you know just more adept at like i think on my feet and i react uh and both have equal contributions, but they have a different way of processing information. And so I think, you know, also creating space in your programs for that type of thinking, uh, along with what you're saying, can be, can be really powerful. Yeah, and, and that's why obviously the, you, you have people send out agendas ahead of time. So basically they can turn up and they're ready to talk because I, I, I for one, I know I am much better if I know what we're going to talk about the day before. Right, because in essence, it allows my brain to really process and think through things. So I think it's a, I think it's a really, really cool tip that you've given there. Um, so are you gonna say something else? Oh, no, no I was just gonna, I do the same okay. thing. I, I need the information in advance. You know, it's yeah. something that yeah. it's a huge advantage to me um, to really, because I wanna make sure that we're getting to the outcome of whatever the meeting right. was, you know? Right. When I began my career 25 years ago, it was like, that was the number one thing I got first drilled in my head. No meeting should be made without a clear outcome. You know, and so that that prep time is so important to me. Yeah, no, that's that that is great. So go back to the four opportunities. Number four, mitigating risk and respond to changes. Um, that's I mean, some of it is relatively self-explanatory, but I think that respond to changes is really important because there is no definitive end in this. It's going to be a constant iteration. So we have to be that adapt, have that adaptability, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think adapting to to change. You know, the resilience uh, of a business has always been really important. When we talk about, you know, the viability or sustainability of a business, it's, it's you know, been tied a lot to what, how resilient or adaptive can a business be to change. And now we're really being tested uh, at, at a level that, that has, no one's ever been tested at before. And so, you know, technology has an incredible way to help us uh, be adaptive to that change. And so do we have the right tools in place? Are those tools scalable? Uh, we've moved away from kind of this old model and technology of monolithic solutions to more like hyper-focused. How do we help uh, people do very specific tasks or get to very specific information quickly? Uh, and so, you know, this is kind of the whole premise of platforms. How do we make sure all of these things are connected and building on top of each other so it's we have an amplification effect where it's more powerful but we're still a lot bringing focus to the individual areas so it doesn't become cluttered and clunky and then doesn't really work at all and so that ability to have those kinds of things in place and thinking and our processes are really important i think uh to mitigating risk and adapting to change i think the other thing that's really uh super powerful is and it's very low tech is have you ever visualized your customer journey do you understand their needs and their motivations before they engage with you as a learning about your products and services as they're engaging in in your uh with your products and services and how are you supporting retention and building loyalty and trust with those customers 
When you can map and visualize that out and let every function of the company see that, it is game changing. And when you can see, okay, this change is happening, you can look at that map and go, what impact does it have on the customer and where in the customer journey? And then you can start to hyper-focus and target. And then you can start to look, well, what functions of our business is responsible for delivering and collaborating on that promise at that stage of the journey? Okay, we know, now we know who needs to collaborate and be mm-hmm. rolling up their sleeves and getting into the uh, thick of it together to solve this problem. It's not this team's problem, it's the organization's problem that's encompassing of these functions. And that organizational approach to, to that work, instead of it living in a, in a, in a singular team or structured uh, a silo is, is really, really powerful to mitigate the risk and being adaptive. The same thing can be said for, have you mapped your current state of your workflows? If you can visualize that and everybody can see that, your ability to innovate is exponentially increased. No, that's fascinating. That's that's uh, that's a really important uh, thing to do, right? What is the customer journey? What is the map? And where can you plug yourself in? I'm sure it also brings up uh, other opportunities to provide additional services to because you're able to sort of map those out or have that conversation with with the customer as well. Absolutely. It also is an incredible tool when you think about bringing in new employees, or maybe you have an employee that's changing roles in the organization. For all of a sudden, for them not to be able to see where that function or that new role fits within mm-hmm. providing and delivering on that customer experience or fulfilling that that uh, you know process and that that key area inside the company is is so empowering. It, it helps. Like, oh, I get it. If this piece here doesn't work, they. Can, and customers can't do any of the rest of it. Wow, I didn't realize how critical that thing that I've been asked to do really, really is. You know, and it, it's. I think it's also a great tool for leaders to show, we're asking you to fill this role, look how critical it is because we do trust you, because your your skills are critical. And it's a, it's a great way to build rapport and confidence and also be able to facilitate bigger conversations that need to be happening on an ongoing basis now. Yeah, man, there's a lot we got covered there. And there's the whole lot of other stuff we wanted to talk about. I'm just conscious of the time, Jonathan. So any final thoughts or comments before we we wrap up today? Well, I just, uh, one, I have to say, Steve, thank you for facilitating these conversations. I think they're so critical. And there's there aren't a lot of great sources of truth right now. I think this social trust issue is something that, you know, uh, is, is just such uh, a difficult thing to navigate for all businesses uh, and, and people at all levels right now. And so being able to curate this kind of insight is, is incredibly valuable and powerful. I know I've enjoyed a tremendous amount of the content that you've been producing uh, on the channel. So thank you for doing that. And I would encourage any uh, you know buddy watching this and listening to, to really look at how do you visualize these things maybe for the first time? There's there's so much incredible opportunity to make deeper connections um, and uh, be able to make small adjustments that can help you pivot and be more resilient going forward. No, that's great. Jonathan, thank you. I appreciate your kind words and I appreciate you, uh, you spending time watching on the channel. Um, how do people reach out with you, Jonathan? What's the best way to find you? So the best way to get in contact is uh, to visit uh, emergeinteractive.com. If anybody's looking for uh, to talk about more uh, employee experience, customer experience, and, and digital products, um, uh, please reach out to us. We offer free consultation and evaluations of existing products 
and services and uh, looking for those opportunities to help you innovate and improve. Um, and also I would recommend uh, connecting with me on LinkedIn. I post the regular uh, insights uh, from across the industry there on a weekly basis. And uh, there's a lot of resources uh, available to people. That's great. Jonathan, look, thank you. I appreciate your time. I appreciate all your wisdom you've shared today. And I look forward to chatting with you very, very soon.